listening to Great Minds. I'm Gina Birch. And I'm Julie Glenn. This is a podcast about wine, where it comes from, why we love it, and who makes it. And today we're talking with one of the people who makes some of the most famous Pinot Noir out of California, John Priest from Etude Winery. Great to have you here and to have a lineup of three wines to try. The Etude Carneros Chardonnay, the Etude Pinot Noir, also from a Carneros, and a second label called Lyric from Etude with a Pinot Noir from Santa Barbara. So, John, how long have you been in the business making wine and, and loving loving grapes, the fermented juice? Oh, well, you know, winemakers, they sort of count their years by how many vintages they've had. Exactly. And I'm about right? to have my 29th. Nice. Yeah. So my, in those early days, I was a you know, cellar rat scrubbing out tanks and filling barrels. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the passion for, for wine and, and how to make it. Drove me there at the first first vintage way back when, and I can't wait for a few more. So I understand your dad was an architect, and he was building wineries in the Central Coast. Is yeah, that true? so I grew up in San Luis Obispo, you okay. know, which you know at that time was uh, you know there were a handful of wineries, even some very old historic wineries as well. But it was starting to become a more known wine region, and yeah, my dad was an architect and. Uh, I think that was kind of cool when I was a young young kid and he was mm-hmm. building these wineries and I had no idea what a winery was. You know, we didn't drink a lot of wine in our house. You but, just knew uh, it smelled good there. I knew it smelled good there, yeah. So that was that was that could have been an, an interesting sort of subconscious introduction to wineries. Of course. So we, when you said you count the years in the wine business by your first vintage, how was that first vintage? Uh, Eye opening. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> you know, even then, I you know I was uh, working in a wine shop in Santa Barbara, and I had developed a, a pretty good palate for a young young guy, mm-hmm. uh, and certainly a thirst and a quest for knowledge. But all my friends were going off to these cool wineries to go work crush. I thought, well, that's got to be cool. So right. I had this romantic image of what that was, not really realizing it was 16 hour a day, seven day a week grunt labor. Yeah. And your <laughs> uh, nails were stained purple. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. But just, you know, seeing those grapes and how we were able to transform that into wine was just, just fantastic. And well, I didn't intend on staying and I did. So there. Famous last words. <laughs> kind of got stuck there. So then how did you end up in uh, Attitude? Well, I was making wine down in, in, in Santa Barbara County. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's where I had been my entire career down there. And I got this wonderful call from uh, the founder of Etude, Tony Soder, uh, as he was he had sold the winery to uh, to our current ownership, and he was sort of transitioning out. Uh, and one of the last things he needed to do is find somebody to come over and take the reins. And and I got that phone call. So and you were like, familiar already in Santa Barbara with the, that area with the the grapes that they were already working with with the Pinot Noir and absolutely, you know, Pinot Noir, and that's the great thing about it. And what I've learned as a winemaker over the years, a, a Pinot Noir winemaker and wine grower, is that it does translate, you know, from one region to the next. How would you compare and contrast um, further north where you're at now in Carneros with where you began, as far as the grape itself and how it behaves? Well, the soils are different. Uh, different, you know, the climate isn't that much different because you're really taking advantage of that coastal maritime influence, whether you're in Santa Barbara or Monterey or Mendocino or Carneros, you know. So really, the soils and the latitude, um, you you know. But I, I don't know that I could just meet one in a room and say you're from Carneros. Mm. Yeah. Well, Carneros is a really interesting place. It's a special place. You know, it goes into Sonoma and Napa, and I think sometimes that confuses people. They <laughs> they think one or the other. So tell us a little bit about that region and why it's so special. Well, Etude confuses it even further <laughs> because our winery is in the Napa side of Carneros, but our estate vineyards, the Grace Benoit Ranch, 
is on the Sonoma side of Corona. Okay, so, so so you're perpetuating the confusion is what you're saying? Well, I'd like no, to think we're kind kidding. of like Switzerland. You okay. know, we have to remain <laughs> yeah. neutral. Uh, Perfect. Yeah, but it really, you know, it, honestly, it's the first region in California that was developed and delineated based on climate, you know, right on top of the San Pablo Bay and taking advantage of all that great fog and cool air. It's uh, a weird little bit of maritime so far in there, right? It really is, yeah. But it's, I mean, I, I live live and work right next to the bay, and it's pretty cool. And we also get those breezes off of the ocean as well, even though the ocean is a little bit further away. You can't see it from from uh, from Carneros, but uh, you do definitely feel the wind. At 2.30 every afternoon, you can feel that coming from the coast. Wow. Yeah. So you brought some wines in with you this morning, Yeah, this I want to talk about the whites. Okay, yeah. listen, I was talking to Gina about this before we, we came in um, a couple days ago, and I was like, Okay, I'm looking at the website, and I don't see my Pinot Gris. Now, <laughs> did they stop making my Pinot Gris? Because I, I, I've seen it around, and I could find it on some auction sites. I'm like, what, what happened? So you're still making Pinot Gris, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I love the Pinot Gris. Mm-hmm. I love making the Pinot Gris, and I love drinking the Pinot Gris. I have loved it yeah, for years. Oh, thank you. That's so great. since it's not on the website, is this one of those wine club that you have to be a wine club to get? or? Well, you know, it's 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 – we do actually distribute it a little bit nationally, but a lot okay. of it is just out of the directly out of the winery. However, um, you know, we don't have enough to, to last through the entire right. year. So maybe what you acknowledged or, or encountered was the fact that we had run out of the 2016, but we just released, I can tell to the world, the 2017. <laughs> yeah. You heard it here so. first, folks. <laughs> 2017. And it's delicious. Yeah. All right, and, and it's also a very challenging bottle for uh, wine stores. That's the other thing. You've got to find a, a wine uh, buyer that's willing to buy that bottle because it's really tall mm-hmm. and slender and very it's hard striking. to fit in the shelf. Yeah, they don't, like, they don't stack nicely. But they're beautiful. They're like, the, I was saying earlier, the Galliano of the wine world, you know? <laughs> right. I, it's be- I love that bottle. It's very striking. And it really, it, you know, it has the, the, that kind of link back to Alsace. Yeah, you know, and that, it uh, really does. It feels like an Alsatian bottle. Dark green, uh, you know, hawk bottle. Yeah, so that's a bit of a tip of our hat. Not only in the wine, in the you know, our grapes, or the vines that themselves came from Alsace. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not a wine from Alsace. It's a wine from Carneros, but it's a tip of our hat. So what are you doing in the white range? You got the the Pinot Gris, which I've already gushed about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What else is there in that range? We have exactly one acre of Pinot Blanc in our estate. So uh-huh. whatever God gives us that year is how much we make, mm-hmm. uh, which could be anywhere from 150 to to you know a couple hundred cases. So that's a very small limited production. Um, I invite you to come to the winery to taste that. We'll and do then, it. And then uh, we produce uh, a couple Chardonnays too. One from our Lyric line, which is exclusively from Santa Barbara County, mm-hmm. as well as our estate Carneros Grace Benoit Ranch Chardonnay. And that's what we're tasting that's today. That's what we're tasting now. Now this wine's a little bit different. Um, in that is style different for what you might expect for California or Carneros. This is a the the, the idea of car, of, of etude is that we're we're really wine growers and trying to express the place as much as possible. So if we do that and really take that you know to heart, we don't want to stand behind a lot of artifact. Right. So this wine doesn't have a lot of makeup on it. It really doesn't. I don't yeah. I don't taste any it's oak nice going and clean. on here. Yeah. It's barrel fermented. It's very traditional, but all in older French oak barrels. There's no malolactic. So hopefully you get a sense of minerality and some nice, um, you know, vibrant acidity. It's vibrant up front, but I get that creamy texture on the finish, though. Yeah. So yeah, we cream, do but go not, in. Not, and it doesn't taste oaky at all, no, though, to yeah. me. But it has that softness, you know? So there's a little trick here. We Uh-oh. do a little batonage. We get in and okay. stir up the lees, and that lees, as they sort of atollicize and break down, it gives you a nice, nice kind of texture. Love handles, if you will. <laughs> I, I love those. I, I got plenty of that. Uh, so this is the. <laughs> That's good. 
pronounced Grace Beno- Benoist? Grace Benoist. It's, Benoist. it's a family name. Benoist. It's, it's <laughs> from the Midwest. I really am from the Midwest. No, I'm just kidding. But anyway, okay, so Grace Benoist Ranch. It's been in the family, you said? Well, it's a it's a family name, mm-hmm. uh, the the Benoit family, and Grace was one of the matriarchs of that family, so that's how the the ranch was named. It's really a good shark. This is a great it's chardonnay nice. for someone that's looking. And it's so funny being Carneros, the middle of the road, you know. So it's it's not totally lean, lean acidity, but it's totally not a big flabby, you know, cougar juice kind of thing. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> you know. Well, you know, as a winemaker, I have the audacity to make wines that I like to drink, and this is exactly the kind you of can do it. I like. You know, I can do that. Don't tell anybody. No. Well, it's too late. Cats <laughs> I want some out of the king bag. crab legs with that. I really do. Don't you want some? Yeah, some king that would crab sound. Legs? Yeah, that sounds really good. Well, right I think now. you're right. And, and this style of wine, where it does have that nice, nice fruit purity and, and acidity, it does pair with a lot of food well. Because mm-hmm. you're now, not trying you ever, to find something big and fat to eat to, to eat with it. You can like dip your crab leg in here, but it's not buttery. So I, I don't think it's like the whole mallow butter thing. Nope, no mallow lactic at all. Do you ever do any uh, mallow uh, year to year? Does that ever change? You know, I, I, I don't want to stand dog dogma. So there there could be those incredibly bright, lean years that you may think about it, but I haven't done it yet. Yeah? Yeah. So well, you're not going to um, put backpack. yourself into a box. Exactly. So and then you have a, a lyric line and then the etude line. What's the difference here? So lyric is um, from our vineyards the, uh, that are down in Santa Barbara County, specifically oh, okay. Santa Barbara County. Um, which is where I come from, as mm-hmm. you mentioned. And uh, I have an experience sort of working this landscape and these hills and dales. But we, we own these vineyards um, in the Santa Maria Valley, Los Alamos Valley, and Fiddlesticks in uh, Santa Rita Hills. Mm-hmm. And uh, Lyric is a line of wines that is a little bit more accessible in style and in price point and uh, just a really nice, easy-drinking wine you don't have to take too seriously. Okay. You have to study like the etude. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> speaking of studying an etude, um, let's talk about uh, the etude Carneros Pinot Noir. This you is know, what we have next in this uh, the, lineup here. The minute it, it was in the glass, I could smell it. Yeah, I could go. smell it across Perfect. the table. Perfect. That It was just a nice, very, the aromatics are really lovely in that. Uh, well, I'm so glad you say yeah. that because as a winemaker, that's one of the, that is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. It jumps out of the glass. Right. You know, that's the first sense that you're going to you know, hit your brain. Yeah, and, and it makes uh, you want to reach for it. Like, I, I can't wait. I got to try that now. Right. Well, I'm glad it, it doesn't repel you. That would be good. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. Wouldn't be, that wouldn't be any fun. That is, that is rich, this it Pinot is rich. Noir. So this it's is a good word for it, rich. in these volcanic, well-draining soils. And it really keeps the vine working a little bit mm-hmm. and very low yields, uh, a lot of concentration. So even when we're making the wine and when we're extracting all of that great flavor in the winery, we don't have to work very hard because there's just a lot to this. Mm-hmm. And it's not a heavy wine. It's still Pinot Noir with this beautiful charm and elegance and, and, and length and persistence. But it mm-hmm. does have some nice depth, which, again, I think helps it pair with a lot of different types of cuisine. It's a it's nice got color. like a little toasted marshmallow thing happening there. <laughs> I get some toast for sure. Yeah, but think about like um, not a full s'more, but like a campfire um, roasted marshmallow kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Do you get that? So you know, am we, I in we left do field put here? This, no, I don't think okay. so. Yeah, your we, sweet tooth we, is we, acting up. You're yeah. like, go get a corn chip, Julie. You're way off. <laughs> <laughs> we do put these in barrels, in French oak barrels, and those barrels are made um, by bending the wood over a fire, and we try to find the type of barrel that is produced that gives a little bit of that baking spice. 
kind of graham mm-hmm. crackery. Mm-hmm. And That's a graham cracker from a s'more. No chocolate, the though. S'more. There you go. <laughs> um, and we only use 25% new oak, you know, because mm-hmm. I don't want that barrel to really overwhelm the wine. I'd love to have it be a part of the wine mm-hmm. and give it some definition and some range. But not define it. Well, it's got great fruit, but it also has a savory note as well in the finish that I that I find very pleasing as well. Yeah, uh, I think isn't that's that the great true. thing about Pinot Noir? Yeah. It isn't mm-hmm. just about fruit. It's about those all those other kind of nuances and flavors and tones you can't quite put your finger on. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So now exactly. we have a chance to uh, to compare and contrast. This is the lyric, which is in a screw cap, um, which is um, and you said this is a lower price point. Is that why you made that decision? To make it well, accessible in that you don't have to have a corkscrew either? Accessible is a good word, and that's the word I use <laughs> for that, 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 that uh, Stelvin um, closure there. Yeah, so I do love a Stelvin, Originally, though. this was all on uh, for restaurants to pour mm, by the makes glass. Makes sense, right? And, this is you know, a great – it smells like a great by the glass pinot. It is. It smells and, like coffee to me you. too. Yeah. And if uh, – you know, we wanted to make it easier for the servers. Of course. And, 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 and they are probably really thanking that. you greatly right now for that. <laughs> That's are. really good. That really stands out. I enjoy out. that. Mm-hmm. If I got that by the glass as a pinot and usually your percentage of disappointment on a by the glass pinot it's is – pretty high. Probably 90, 90% of the time right. I'm disappointed. Well, I, I would agree. be happy with that. Thank mm-hmm. you. Thank I really you. would. We're not just saying it because you're sitting in front of us. I'm really not. (laughs) I'm really not. Well, and, you know, look, if I'm doing my job as a winemaker to create and craft a wine that people enjoy and want more, Mm -hmm. (laughs) then then that's a good thing for not only the restaurateur but, you know, for our winery as well and the consumer. We're talking about the Pinots here. Let's – I know we've got a little more time. Let's talk about the cabs. Let's shift gears a minute if we can. That would be shifting gears yeah. <laughs> away from Pinot into Cabernet. And people often ask, well, gosh, if you're really known for Pinot Noir, you know, mm-hmm. why are you making Cab? But think about where we are geographically. Exactly. We're in the Carneros where we have this bounty of cool weather for Chardonnay and Pinot Noir. But you take a left up Highway 29 and you're in God's country for mm-hmm. Cabernet Sauvignon. And the founder of Etude had really made his name even before the, the inception of the winery of Etude as a Cabernet guy. And so right. he had developed relationships with these really spectacular and hallowed vineyards that we still work with today. Mm-hmm. So it's always been a pillar of the portfolio, and mm-hmm. it gives me a chance to use the other side of my brain as a winemaker. Right. It's interesting because you talk a lot about the founder of Etude. And even though now Etude is owned by Treasury Wine Estates, you still seem to have a reverence for the original owners and the original namesake of the, the vineyards and things like that. How does that play into your – I don't know, vintage-to-vintage decision-making. Well, I am my own winemaker. However, you know, one of the first Pinot Noirs that I fell in love with as a young sort of aspiring winemaker was Etude. So Mm -hmm. I I have been following this wine most of my career. You know, so now the opportunity to sort of take the reins and – you know, be given the mantle of, of carrying it on and that, that legacy. Sure, things evolve. You know, we now have an estate vin, uh, ranch and vineyards where it didn't have prior. We have a new winery. You know, there's a lot of, you know, life, life goes on and we, there's evolution to that. But having that, that understanding of, of, of Tony Soder's sort of inception and his, his, his ideas, yeah, I, I do like to carry that on. I like to think there's some thread of legacy and quality. And, and when you're talking about um, the consistency and quality, when, when, one of the things that I was curious about, when did that uh, rosé of Pinot Noir show up? Did that, is that new to the family or has that been around? 
I think that I have a bottle on my desk that's a 19 uh, – excuse me. It's a, uh, What is it? 1996 oh. Etude Rosé. Really? So there was one way back when. It's pretty pretty brown. I would bet that yeah. might not be good yeah. yet. We're not going to drink it. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But uh, so that's been around. They've it, been doing. They've, well, it's kind of was off and on for a little off, bit. Yeah, vintage, yeah, but now, like a hobby thing. Yeah, now it's a big thing. It's it's huge. And I remember it wasn't just a decade ago where we had to really convince people that pink wine was good mm-hmm. and dry and delicious. Yeah, it now was, it's now look what's happened. I mean, do it's you blown up. grow yeah. those? Do you keep separate parcels in the vineyard of Pinot Noir for the rosé, or do you have more of the Saunier? No, this is on purpose. Okay, and, good. And this ranch itself is so amazing because it's 1,500 acres of land. Two-thirds mm-hmm. of it is open spaces and forest and creeks and wildlife everywhere. And the other third are small vineyards sort of dotting the landscape. And, and it's quite vast in its different uh, aspects and hillsides and, and soil types. But one ridge line up on top, it's cold and windy and it's really hard to get to that we call it Siberia. <laughs> and that's specifically for rosé. Okay. So we grow these grapes and harvest them and make it wine, make the wine. That's a gulag I'd want to go to though. Yeah. You know? Definitely. <laughs> that sounds I, I would, not bad. I would sign up for that. Totally. Or do something wrong to get sent there. there hey, go. you said something earlier about a sparkling yes. wine before we got recording. What's going on with a sparkler? Is it a sparkler for a toot? It is. It's a, it's a method champenoise uh, for a toot from the Grace Benoit Ranch, um, a Blanc de Noir. Okay. Uh, so it's mostly Pinot Noir, a little bit of Chardonnay just to get you know, that little something, something. Uh, and <laughs> you sound like Gina now. That <laughs> yeah. totally sounds like Gina. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, look, I love champagne. I mean, if Who I doesn't, had, right? Who doesn't, right? Who doesn't for real? You know, I did, and, and I, not only the region, but just the wine itself. And I've become, I was, I've been a student of champagne for a long time and it's all my wife drinks. So I, I figured I had you to make You have to make one. her happy. Yeah. When are we going to be able to get this in our glass? Well, we're, we're working really hard to get in the bottle. The okay. tirage bottling will be happening over the next few weeks and then it's going to lay down and rest for about three years before mm. it emerges. Uh, so we have to wait emerges. a little. You have to wait a while. You're teasing yeah. us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can at least get the Pinot Gris in the meantime. All right. I mean, Make a spritzer out of it, but don't do that. I'm just kidding. That's totally a joke. Yeah. Hey, so I wanted to ask you, outside of Etude, what kind of things are catching your fancy these days? What are you interested in? What regions are doing things that you think are exciting? Are there movements like natural wine or anything that kind of pique your interest? Well, I just really think that you know, being a Pinot Noir guy for, for pretty much all my life, the fact that there's other regions that are becoming more noticed and they it's not like they're new to pe- growing or producing Pinot Noir, but they're starting to gain more attention. You know, the fact that Oregon has really delineated all mm-hmm. these separate AVAs is like it's about time. You know, you can really understand the differences between uh, Eola Hills or, or uh, Yamhill Carlton mm-hmm. and such like that. Um, I've made, had the opportunity to make wine down in central Otago and spend time down in New Zealand and – and even Central Otago has these wonderful sub-districts that aren't quite yet delineated officially. But you They're know, doing some good stuff down there. Doing some great yeah. stuff. And we just don't feel like we know it well enough in this country. Um, I did have the chance to go and spend some time in Tasmania. And what a, what a wonderful place that is. Really hard to get to. It's a long ways away. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. How ultimate far of cool it? climate. I mean, it's like, it's like this little tiny island, but apparently there's one road, I guess, that goes around it. I mean, it's kind of hard to get around from there, what I understand. There, there is a road that goes most around it. There's a, the road that goes through it. There's there's more than two roads. Though. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that's good to know. I, 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 that's you a destination that's on my list. You could conquer it in one, one circle, one loop? No. But I you could be standing in the south of the island in this vineyard, you know, and it's just this cool air just, just flowing over you, you know, down there during harvest and realizing there's nothing between you and Antarctica. 
about 1,500 oh. kilometers of angry hmm. sea. <laughs> angry sea yeah. and a couple of penguins. Yeah. yeah, a couple of penguins. But the sparkling wine there is off the charts. I know. You know, I've had, I've had sparklers there that were dead ringers for, for first, you know, Grand Cru Champagne. Wow. And yeah. I know. And the price, yeah. not bad. Yeah. Not bad at all. We'll look for that. Oh, I, have, oh, I, know. I think I have another trip combined. I might have to go down there and I do some know. more exploring. <laughs> well, the, I'm starting to see it distributed a little bit. And I see it around on the shelves. And sometimes, luckily, people don't know what it is. So it ends up going on sale. And you know who's there to snag that up? This vulture uh, right will here. You, will you text me next time you see that? <laughs> <laughs> I will definitely do that. But, um, yeah, it's been so great talking with you. Yes. It's been nice to learn about the guy behind Etude Wines. How long have you been in Etude? Since 2005. 2005. Yeah, so I, it's been a while. I feel like I'm part of the furniture now. Right. You yeah. are. Yeah. You are. John, thanks for taking time to oh, hang out with us fantastic. today. I love it. Thank love you. your wines. You're doing a great job. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. Make, make all of us wine lovers happy. It's my pleasure. <laughs> Great Minds is produced at WGCU Studios on FGCU campus in Fort Myers, Florida. Our producers for online media are Anna Bejarano and Tara Calligan. Technical production is by Richard Chinqui. Great Minds theme music for Zante is by Colin Mannon. To get in touch, check greatminds.org. Thanks for listening. 